Welcome to the Cinemondo Podcast with Kathy, Mark, Burke, and Lisa talking about movies. Horror, sci-fi, unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated. Always interesting. Today, um, we were thinking about, you know, we, we have Darwin in the house, our, our buddy who, who sometimes barks and makes weird, scary, devil, demonic noises. He's sleeping right now, so we're trying to sneak this podcast past him. Yeah, we're going to talk about him. With his towel. Yeah. So leave him be. He likes that towel. He does. He's sucking on it. <laughs> oh, but he's a, he, he's a really great example of a dog that, that really needed some work, you know? And a lot of people think that that you get these dogs from the shelter and they're untrained and you never know their history and you never know what they went through and you never know what they're going to do and you don't trust them and all that kind of stuff. I've heard people talk about dogs from the shelter like that, but you know, the thing is you don't know that stuff, but here's something that I learned. I was, I, I, when we first got Darwin, I used to think sometimes that he and I were never going to get along, that we were just not going to be friends, but you stick with them. And I remember somebody saying there's no bad dogs. And I really think, I really believe that now. He, they, they learn, they pick up the traits of the people who they live with. They live in the house with you for a while. They start to pick up on your feelings. And he turns, it turns out he's very compassionate, very sweet. He's got a good heart, you know, and you just have to work with them sometimes. It's not that scary. It's not that bad. A lot of times it's easy. It's interesting. And uh, Kathy has something to say about uh, dog rescue. I would like to say, yes, dog rescue is a noble cause. And also, I don't think people should ever think animals are just this easy thing you can do. And that, and I also don't think it isn't worth the effort. People just make the effort. It's not that hard. Anyway, so I want to talk about Wounded Paw Project. It's a charity that's headed up by Kristen Beck. She's a retired Navy SEAL. Um, it's basically where they rescue dogs from shelters and they retrain them for um, service dogs. They help, uh, like, Vietnam, you know, Vietnam vets. They help vets that have, like, um, PTSD, um, mm-hmm. veterans, uh, as sort of a, you know, comfort dog. Uh, so they, they're trying to increase the availability of these animals so they can donate them to these people for free because a lot of these people don't have a ton of money for these service dogs. And a lot of insurance doesn't cover. Some does. but So they're really trying to, to amp up their uh, not only rescuing dogs and de-rescuing, but also giving them to people who really need them. So I thought that was a really cool um, charity and project that she's doing. Uh, you, they have a Facebook page. Um, they have a website that she's just starting. It's not really quite up to speed, but you can donate. And you should don't donate. Um, this is more about making sure other people can have dogs versus you getting a dog. But you should get a dog. It's called Wounded Paw. Woundedpawproject.org. That's a win-win. I yeah, mean, that's, that's a great, great idea. Yeah, it, is. it really is a great idea because a lot of times you don't, you know, the, the companies, the organizations or the entities that that sort of do this service where they pair people up with a with a pet. You know, that's really interesting because... You know, they, they, there's people who know more about dogs. If you don't have a dog, you haven't had a dog in a while, but you think you want a dog, you may not know how to, how to pick the right one for your house or your lifestyle or what kind of dog has the right kind of energy for you and your family. And there's, there's people out there that can consult you with that. Yeah. And also uh, I heard, um, I heard Kristen Beck on Married AF podcast. She did an interview and this is where I heard about this uh, charity and she has a service dog also because I'm sure she has lots of anxiety. She was a Navy SEAL. I mean, it doesn't get worse than that. So, um, but she talks about some of the, you know, the little um, kind of the etiquette with service dogs. Like people see a dog and they just run up and pet it. So, but the trick is you have to ask the owner, is it okay if I do this? And then the owner looks down, you know, Kristen Beck would say, is it okay if she pets you? You know, you, you sort of go through a hierarchy. You don't just rush in and take over. You have to let both the person with the service dog and the service dog itself decide if they want you to touch it or not. So I thought that was very interesting because this isn't just a pet. This is like, you know, an important sort of service animal. You can't just treat it like a pet. So. And service dogs are working. They're, yes. you know, they're on duty, you know, and when you see them in the airport and they're, you know, the drug sniffer dogs, yeah. I'm always compelled. I want to go up and just yeah. get down on my knees and pet those little, but you sure. don't, you know, you, yeah. they're working they're they're you know they have their business <laughs> you're gonna stay out of it and she said she she sees that like she says she sees people and they sees their faces light up when they see the dog she's like oh no here yeah. you go but anyway definitely check out wounded paw project it looks really really good 
really cool and donate. And, and to Burke, that's our service. Well, service I'll also say, you know, to Burke's point about Darwin, I mean, yeah. I, it was just, you know, to, right. you're absolutely right um, that, you know, you give a, they're all, they're all good dogs. You just have to work with them. They don't know what they're going through, you know, and, yeah. and we used to rescue greyhounds and uh, they just knew how to race for 45 minutes a day. And then they would be in a crate for 23 so hours. And then we used to get them and they had no idea how to go up, a st- you know, one Aww. stair. You have to teach them how to go up and down stairs. Mm. But you know, then you, after a few days, they're acclimating, and that's yeah. such a great reward really cool. to to see that. So it really was rewarding to see Darwin go through his change. You know, everybody sees the the videos and the photographs of Darwin that we share on our. He's so adorable. He's he's a he's a sweetheart. But, you know, he, he, when we first got him, he was a troubled teen, you know, <laughs> he had issues, but my wife and I just really, you know, it was a, it was, it was a bit of a struggle there, but like you were saying, it's totally rewarding, totally worth it. And you do have this huge sense of accomplishment when you find that sweet dog that lives inside the dog that, that went through nightmares, who knows what, you know, who knows what led poor little Darwin to the, to the shelter, you know, he went through, you know, four years of rough times that will now he he can never tell us what happened but obviously he had issues and he was troubled but you know you work through it and now we have the sweet the sweetest dog in the whole town he is great (laughs) you guys you guys did a lot of work and also lisa rescues she's rescued a few kitties cats cats are need rescuing i like dogs but i've only had cats and uh my latest kitten is well they're both the light of my life but she's the silliest cat in the entire world she's (laughs) cracks me up you don't even have to play with her anything you throw on the ground is hours of entertainment especially if it's an amazon box or anything so That's i love fun. your videos on instagram oh my God, like she's, she's like in a bag hanging on curtains like whatever it is like woo. They're you can't even cute. get mad at her because she's so she's cute so it's just ridiculous like, i'll find her i just hung up wet clothes and she'll be hanging on them <laughs> right and i'll just be like oh she's so cute, so cute. <laughs> you know speaking of greyhounds i just saw um a video about a guy who runs one of those extreme horror houses which is um kind of relevant since this you know coming up on halloween um but he has a part one of the most extreme um horror houses here it's in san diego i think and uh it's eight hours but no one's ever made it to the end whoa so but uh, first of all i don't understand why anyone would do this um when i see it i'm like i have no interest in like being locked in a coffin with spiders i you know it's, it's like craziness and they even have a waiver saying bones could be broken heads could be shaved it's like no thanks so people actually sign up for this stuff. But the funny thing about it is you see this guy, he looks like the nicest guy in the world. And uh, his, the only, you know, there's no charge to get in. They have this huge long waiting list, so no, it's really hard to get in. Mm-hmm. But his only, the only thing he asks for you is to donate dog food for his greyhound rescue. And he has a bunch of greyhounds. Oh, and I'm that's like, that's so cool. cute, but so evil all at the same time. I think we should do it. We'll make that a, a, a Cinemondo field trip. Yeah, Hopefully you, you can donate, donate without having to endure eight-hour haunted I'm sure house. they'll take your donation of without actually going in. Of course in. they will. Uh, but yeah, you should, I think it's called the, the Kami House or something like that. It's in San Diego. You can uh, look it up. I'm sure when you look up Extreme Horror, San Diego, he'll be the one that pops up. But. I bet they have one of those websites. <sighs> yeah, if I could remember the name, I came unprepared. But anyway, even the people that do some of the weirdest shit can be dog lovers and animal lovers in general. So I yeah, that's kind of cool. Kitty lovers <laughs> like us. Yeah, we love animals. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of speaking of um, weird shit, <laughs> speaking of demonic dogs that <laughs> no Dar- Darwin sometimes I mean I think sometimes we forget how how uh, he looks you know and he's got that look that some people associate with scary you know <laughs> he has kind of a dark look and he growls as you can see in the videos he makes these these growling noises and if you see the videos that we put on the Cinemondo social media sources. He he is a, a little bit scary, and I can even make you know, I can I can bring out even more fiercely scary <laughs> stuff in him. He's but he's funny. I think he's playing. He's just talking. He's talking, and he's just got this this language that sounds intimidating, but he's a uh, um, he's actually very sweet. Don't tell that to the mailman. Yeah, really. You know, yeah. Everyone's heard him when the mailman comes. If you yeah. listen to some of our other podcasts. But that's the thing about dogs too is you know they do that kind of stuff but then you also feel like if if something really did happen he'd be able to tell and he would protect us. Oh yeah, for sure. He would uh, I don't worry so much when my my wife goes out with him on a walk, you know, because he he is watching everything and he is very protective of her. 
best alarm system going. Yeah, you know? exactly. But speaking, you know, some people look at him and they think he looks like a like a like Pazuzu, the demon of the North Winds. You know, <laughs> yeah, but, it's very uh, scary. Look at those gold <laughs> eyes. Speaking of devils, speaking of devils, of exorcism and Pazuzu. <laughs> Elegant segue. We're going to talk about movies now. We talk about dogs a lot on this podcast, but you have to forgive us. We're going to we eventually do get to the movies. <laughs> but the, one of the movies we're going to talk about. Which one did we decide to go with first? Devils. The devils. The devils. It's a Ken Russell movie, and it's 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 not like the other movies. <laughs> it's not what, like uh, what other like movies? What other? All the all the other all movies. All other movies in existence. It is uh, you know Ken Russell. He never made a normal movie in his life, and uh, his movies always have a have a style and a feel to them. And there's a there's a bit of a staginess to them in some ways, and a surrealist. The choices that he that he makes with his production design and the and they tend to have a lot of sort of dreamy, nightmarish hallucinogenic things happening and the characters are sometimes kind of exaggerated and the devils is is kind of one of the most quintessential ken russell films i think Hmm. i remember i saw it years ago like when it first came out i remember being really traumatized by this movie yeah i have i things it's one of those those things where you have in your head what you remember from the movie and then you see the movie and it's not actually in the movie the way you remember. Right. And I think it's like one of those things, you know, the classic when you close your eyes and your head fills in the blanks. Well, well it could have been cut too yeah. because it's been, this is notorious film for having a lot of cuts made to it. And major, there's like, major I would say cuts. thankfully because I did not want to see that scene. I was dreading that scene the whole time I watched it. Oh, I don't want to see this one. They scene. call it the rape of Christ. Right. Oh. The scene. Oh, that there's a there's a lot of different versions of this film, and you. Oh could... no, I liked that scene. It was the. Uh... <laughs> I liked it too. It was hot. It was... <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, Ken Russell was able to see a lot of the most. They still, I don't think, have every single second that was cut out. But before he died, which I don't know, in the last five years, he was able to see the movie restored as much as they could. I think it's hmm. another twenty minutes added to at back into the movie from the ones that we've seen. Yeah, and over I think and over. There's so much debate. If you go online and look it up, and look up these other sources that that much much more academic than than we are about films, you know, who people who debate, you know, which minute is missing yeah. and from which scene and how this happened. We'll like have to um, ask Jeff McCarty, our guest. Yeah, he would that. know that. And he stuff knows more and... about this film. Maybe it's one of those treasures everyone's trying to find. Yeah, like frame forty-seven. You know. Yes. <laughs> like, but the um. The gist of the film is, is has always been there. I mean, it, no matter what version you see of it, it's it's going to be just as harsh. I think, just as as uh, heavy. It's very deep. Well, the scene that I mean, the uh, the version that I saw, and this is the first time I saw the movie, was a few weeks ago. Oh, how edited was that version? Do we know? Like, I mean, is that sort of the? I don't know which one you did. You see the one? Yeah. that I pointed you to. Mm-hmm. That's a sort of a considered a sort of uncut one. Okay. I think that's one of, but I'm not really sure. There's so many other people who, who know so much more about the different versions of this film, the different edits, cuts, directors, cuts, television cuts, or whatever, theatrical cuts. And, and, uh, but anyway, I guess what we should do, do is just talk about the, the version, the, the, the sort of average version of it you know the, the late it's, it's the recent one that yeah. hasn't been floating around first of all it was out of print for decades because right. it was so controversial it was rated x when it came out it was just, it was very parallel to clockwork orange and that most people didn't even yeah. see it they just heard about it i have a copy of it that i was the only one of the only things i could find on dvd is from korea you know yeah. it's like a korean dvd of it which is you know, has some cuts and I finally found a, a longer version. I figure is, uh, is mostly uncut, but then I told, I told a friend of mine who knows all about such things. I said, is this the uncut one? It's this long. It's XXX number of seconds and minutes. And he's like, no, there's still another version. <laughs> so wow. I don't know. But aside from all that, the film is a, um, it's a, it's a fairly brutal story about uh religious, oppression and it's got some pretty harsh scenes it's got oliver reed in it 
So it's based on the true story, I guess, the rise and fall of that that priest. What was his name? Urbain Grandier. Grandier. Seventeenth century Roman Catholic priest. So yeah. he was kind of famous because he was also, I guess, back in the day, it wasn't a strict. He was a super big womanizer. Right. And he, all the women were kind of all in love with him. He was very charismatic. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to save his town of Loudon from Richelieu from taking it over right. and making it uber religious. And it's set against the plague. So there's just all kinds of layers of things happening. And he has a lot of sex with a lot of ladies. <laughs> and Vanessa Redgrave yeah. plays a nun who I thought she was really crazy good in this. She's yeah. like a Phenomenal. super repressed nun. She has like yeah. scoliosis or something where she yeah. has a Yeah, hunchback. she's deformed from yeah. birth and she's obsessed with him. Yeah. And he would never look at her because she's not hot at all. Right. She's a, she is a very bizarre character in this. And, and like in a lot of Ken Russell films, she's, ex- she's like an exaggerated character. Yeah. And... And um, almost it's what's weird is uh, Oliver Reed, who's normally the one who's the insane character in films. He's actually kind of laid back in this movie in some ways. He's like the the person that you he's he's not the insane killer or whatever. He is the guy that you um, sympathize with in this film. To an extent. To an extent, yeah. I he's mean, still he's still kind of. I mean, he's yeah. a sinner. He he's on the right side of the issues, right? But he he's not necessarily a super um, reliable, honest guy with integrity. Really, I mean, he's. I would say he's a typical religious person. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Doing one thing and saying that's what another. I was going to say. Yeah. But yes, exactly. But that's kind of what the movie's about. I always like the opening the opening scene of these these sycophantic people watching the king who fancies himself as this actor and he's in this play where he's he's it's it's like a very stagey very Ken Russell kind of scene where he's on a the king is on the stage and he's trying to act and after it's over everybody's applauding and saying oh my 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 lord he's such wonderful talent he's so, so brilliant <laughs> and it's it's really funny it's actually kind of funny but chilling at the same time Ugh. So basically, it kind of centers around the fact that um, Louis the Thirteenth, I believe, um, <laughs> wants to gain more power. So he's convincing everyone to take down walls or at least fortifications around the cities um, that were put there because they they don't they want to prevent the Protestants from a, a, an uprising, right? You know, because Catholics hate hate Protestants. <laughs> Um, so, but in the meantime, the governor in this particular town doesn't agree to let them take the walls down. But when that governor dies, then Oliver Reed's character is there. So they have to contend with him. And he's beloved. Yeah. Everyone loves him because he's so hot. (laughs) (laughs) They always film him in these glowy, like, you know, he's always coming like from a distance, walking toward camera with like the sparkle and this glowy effect is like, uh, there's all the yeah. and all the women all are the just eyes, yeah. yeah all the women love him and... <laughs> it was really fun but that's his downfall you know that's exactly. sort of like what what does him in is resentment i guess but he ends up uh, i mean it's it's basically the he, he ends up being uh accused of something and tortured and etc etc depending on which cut of the film <laughs> you were watching but it's a it's a pretty violent movie it's also it was also considered really blasphemous when it came out i think a lot of church groups protested this film because well, that's it, like a band and edited and radio yeah. and all that but, but it's 1634 it's like come on so, yeah oh this would never be happening now where they're having sex at a turn when they're supposed right. to be celibate that would never a happen. priest having sex out of marriage unbelievable <laughs> or not being truthful not, yeah but it's a it, it, it's a it is a pretty intense film, and it's it's not for the the casual Easily viewer. <laughs> but I remember there was a lot of church groups that protested it, and you know the, the people outside the theaters when it came out, and religious people love protesting movies. Yeah, well they 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 used to do it more than they do now. I think yeah. they've kind of given up on it now, or you know, there's not that <laughs> but did they see yeah. the, the protesters see the movie or no they just, never seen the they never see, remember Probably last temptation not. of christ yes. never saw it wasn't right. even out yet they hated it hated yeah. it hated it didn't like it well what's interesting you know speaking of the last temptation i remember the very first issue of cinemondo magazine that's right one of the things we did was we went to the opening of last temptation of christ and we actually saw all the protesters in atlanta georgia and they were 
lined up and they all all of their protest posters were made by the same person it appeared <laughs> and it was pretty pathetic it was like a lot of little ladies who had no idea why they were there but they took a sign and they got in line and they walked back and forth and said this movie whatever it is we hate it whatever it and is they kept describing scenes i remember we were asking them like have you seen it no but there's a scene in it and we're like okay here we go uh-huh. and it was stuff that wasn't in the movie right exactly they, they just heard that they it were worked. eating the body of christ and it was bloody and disgusting and they're passing meat around i'm like that was not in the movie <laughs> But then happened. when the Jesus Chainsaw Massacre came, I mean, the, um, <laughs> the, uh, no, was it the one we were remember from back then was the last temptation of Christ, right? Is that the Martin Scorsese? Scorsese. 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 Yeah. 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 But there was the one recently that was the really, really bloody one. That, in historic, in search of the, the Mel Gibson oh, one. Oh, what was that called? Wasn't the Jesus Chainsaw Massacre? I yes. thought that was the name of it. Yeah. In search of historic Jesus. That was basically <laughs> it. No, no. Oh, but it was that one I think they liked, right? I think they I don't did. Think they they loved, protested they that one. It, they yes. liked that one. Because they liked him getting all beat up. It was in that language that nobody speaks, so they loved that. Aramaic, was yeah, it? it was in Aramaic, yes. They loved, loved, loved it. Yeah, I can't remember the name. The the last brutal <laughs> gore <laughs> something, slasher something film. Jesus. That, How could something we all not Jesus. think of that movie? Uh, but what's interesting about the devils, I think, is that he is falsely accused. Mm-hmm. Because Vanessa Redgraves is so obsessed jealous. with him. So the church elders, Richelieu's men, use him as a tool to take down the walls. He right. married that other woman, so she flips out. Yeah. Because you're a priest, you can't be married. But uh, so he is actually a man who's falsely accused by women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Very, there very you go. Timely. I can't think of anything. Even though there were plenty of men do some hideous stuff back then, but he gets the, he's the one who's not actually. I mean, he was, you know, seducing a lot of women, but he wasn't, you know, doing anything terrible to them. Like she said. He wasn't doing anything. No. If you were a Protestant priest that you wouldn't be doing. Exactly. It's a it is a very complicated movie though because it's not just a it's not just a simple poor innocent guy he's he's not really innocent he's no. a he's he's a complicated character it's Oliver Reed you know so of course he's going to be a complicated character <laughs> and it's a Ken Russell movie so there's going to be all this kind of moral ambiguity in there too and you you really don't there's really nobody in the film that you really love or really. I mean, the only person that you sympathize with really is Oliver Reed and his, you know, Grandier character because he's being oppressed. You know, he's being uh, falsely accused and tortured and humiliated in, in front of all these people who used to worship him. And and uh, but it's all done. I think the thing is with this film, it would if it had been a really realistic film, if it had been done really perfectly, period, realistic and it would have been almost impossible to deal with it because it's it's such an ugly story right <laughs> but the fact that it's so it's sort of surreal got that ken that ken russell um edge of dreamlike surrealism the sets are exaggerated those walls those white walls they look like they're they don't look like stone i there was a documentary i saw once about the production designer where they were talking to, where he was talking about not looking at historical you know who it um, was? It was Derek Jarman. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, the yeah. actor. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about not not really looking at the way the things really looked back then, but just trying to design an impression of what what a wall, you know, the, the this big white, blinding right. white, shiny wall, and and these these interiors that that were designed for the characters. There's some interiors in the church, like where Vanessa Redgrave goes up to these bars, and she's looking out through these bars as Grandier is riding past on his horse and the the room that she's in doesn't even look like it's right angles. It's it looks right. like it's it's made in these kind of weird angles that make her look even more exaggeratedly deformed or and they sh- Ken Russell uses his fisheye lens and, and it's it's pushed, you know, the reality right. is pushed. And I think that makes it a little bit easier to watch, harder to watch in some ways, but if it if it had been shot too super realistic, like something like Barry Lyndon or something, it would right. have just been a dismal downer. Oh, it would have just film. been such a drag. But didn't have the over the top because I feel like they stole a lot of Jesus Christ Superstar from those yeah. sets. You know, it was like everybody was on stage and it was very theatrical and the walls. 
Well, I also, you know, it's funny. There's, it's so part of the reason the movie's so hard to watch is it's pretty much wall to wall torture, right? Yeah. I mean, whether they're torturing the nuns and then they're torturing him, you know, there's it's a like, really hideous childbirth in the name yeah. of exorcism. Mm-hmm. They have right. the guy, the the expert, um, the guy who comes in, Father Pierre Barre or something like that. He's right. like the expert, and all he does is like give the nuns enemas, right? And, you know, they're all freaking out. And then he's also the one who decides he's going to exercise the nuns who all go into kind of this frenzy, this big public exorcism. Which, you know, you can see as a religious person, if you were watching this, you'd be like, I'm so offended because it was, you know. Yeah. I feel like they were really pushing buttons because they take these nuns out into the woods and they're all taking their clothes off and screaming and yelling. And, you know, he brings this kind of bullshit relic to the to the party and is like, you are now cleansed. And, of course, there's nothing actually there. It's, just, it's all. Hmm. Right. So, you know, it's all fake. So they've been basically setting up, like, the Grandier, basically, they just want to take him down so they can take over the city. I mean, it's basically just trying to get him out of the way. So but, they ride this wave of these accusations because of that. But that sort of behavior, that sort of religious hysteria yeah. is, I mean, you see that now in certain places when you look at, you know, you know, I've been to churches where people were, when I grew around where I grew up, where people were just speaking in tongues and throwing themselves around and falling on the ground and ripping at their clothes and frothing at the mouth. And it, and it scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. And I think what Ken Russell with this film was just trying to show that whole religious hysteria that some people can get themselves into when when their emotions are so overdriven by by these religious ideas that that they live with and that are pounded into them and they're you know you cross that with a with a pretty traumatized life and a and these you know other people going into these yeah these people in hysteria and then a lot of people just look at it and they go okay that's i'm gonna do that too i'm gonna fall down and i'm gonna start speaking in tongues too and it spreads, and it, you, the the idea of the the book that this is based on is the idea that this is like one of those mental illnesses, or or a hysteria that spreads sort of like a disease where it goes from one person to another person, and pretty soon there's ten people who are all speaking in tongues and and rolling around on the floor in this religious hysteria, mm-hmm. and it's kind of once you get people who can who do that and you can you can sort of induce that in your flock you can pretty much get them to do whatever you want or believe whatever you want them to believe and that seemed to be it seems like the only one not falling for it was actually grandier (laughs) seems like everyone else was in the thrall of this insanity like he understood what yeah he came back and was like what so you know he was out of town at the time of the exorcism he comes back into town he gets arrested so yeah. now they're getting what they want because they have all these crazy accusations. Right. So really, Vanessa Redgrave's character basically sets all this stuff in motion because they torture her, too. Yeah. And they yeah. torture her. They force her. And she's, of course, incredibly jealous and just out of her mind about it. So she's, you know, angry at him. So she wants to kind of bring him down. I don't think she necessarily intended this, but they sort of brought out the worst of her in that. And it's that whole thing, too, you see in a lot of movies, a lot of film noir, a lot of horror films, I guess, where... A character says something that they don't realize the implications of yeah. what they just said. You know, you, you you say some little thing, some little accusation, and then suddenly it gets blown out of proportion, and suddenly the whole world is falling apart. And especially when those people want him to be guilty, so right. they just exactly. use it as a tool against him. And that trial. Just... Oh. So then you have the then it starts coming down to the end where this is the stuff that I found the hardest to watch. Yeah. This is the stuff I remembered even though I think the scene I remember must have been cut or else I embellished it in my head. But yeah, when he goes through that stupid mock trial, which is yeah. the biggest joke in the world, and then they're like shaving his head and they're you know strapping him down, torturing him. It was just like... Well, Oliver Reed is such a phenomenal so actor. He's so, so phenomenally good. He just, he is so into that part that when he's being tortured, you really, the, the thing that's so effective about it is that he is such an actor that you you see the pain and the suffering and the humiliation and the degradation that he's going through. And, and I get, you know, it looks like they really shaved his head and his eyebrows and everything. And and then the makeup that they put on him to make it look like he'd been beaten up is so realistic and just heartbreaking. Well, I love like when you're looking at it first, he's still very arrogant and proud because he thinks he, he thinks he can pull this off because he knows this is bogus, but then you can see him sort of starting to, 
you know, cave a little bit because he realizes like this is way beyond his control and this is what they're going to do and he can't stop them. And he starts getting you know really scared. It's so such great acting to see that transformation of like, you know, he's all haughty and like, yeah, whatever, being real cocky. And all of a sudden it's kind of going, oh, crap, this is yeah. going to ha- this is going to happen. So they want to yeah. burn him at the stake. <laughs> That's what you do with heretics is so, you burn them. Uh, you burn them. But, you know, it's funny. The scene I remember that's not in there. Of course, there's a little bit of the scene where they want to pull like a misery on him, where they they strap the wood planks to his legs to keep them straight, and then they take a sledgehammer, and they just break the shit out of his legs. Yeah. They basically crush them. Right? I remember that. So in the movie I saw, in the version I saw, they didn't show a lot of that. I mean, they showed it. But I remember specifically the scene that still haunts my dreams. It's so bad. Where they're they're taking him, you know, they're dragging him along so he can feel all the pain in his legs, you know. Um, I just remember these little crumpled up, shrivelly legs and these these wood things. Uh, it's just unspeakable to me to seeing that. Yeah. You see this, you know, Oliver Reed's this big, you know, you know, proud guy. Then here he is with these little shriveled up, bloody legs. Oh my god! I just <laughs> just haunts me. But they and didn't they... actually see that in the version I saw. I have that in my head. They just yeah. showed the actual crushing of the legs without a lot of close ups. Thank God. And then they burn him at the stake. And well, a you... few things. They well, they first they have the yeah. guy who was going to you know suffocate him with the noose. Right. He says to give you know. But unfortunately, but, it doesn't work, and right. he's still alive because he was sabotaged. So yeah. someone yeah. had cut the rope. So all of a sudden, as he's lighting the fire, he goes to pull the noose, and it seems like the executioner was really didn't want to be part of the torture. So he right. was going to help the guy out, and then also at that point, he was convincing the main guy that he was innocent. So there's this weird confliction going on. Um, it sounds like such a brutal movie, oh, but it, 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 it is and a it brutal is. movie. It's pretty brutal. And then they burn at the stake. This long, drawn out. Oh, just, just so hard to watch. Burning at the stake, very realistic. Yeah, and just can't you just wait to see it? Yeah, no, it's we're really Woo-hoo! making people want but to the, see this movie. The people. scene that they cut was somebody like pulls out his fem- thigh femur. And masturbates with that, so that made everybody oh. go completely. That's in into, the like the rest of the movie. Forget about yeah. it. Like the rape of Christ scene, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. that was in the that one got I it saw. censored. That got it banned from being played for a very, very long time. That was a pretty twisted scene. Yeah, there's also a lot of nudity in it, like yeah. naked nuns, yeah, and yeah, that yeah. I think angered some folks. But I mean, it's not a. It, it isn't a you know fun movie to sit down with the family you know and and watch. But it's a it, historically interesting yeah, film. It's, it's interesting. a really interesting Ken Russell film. It's an incredible Oliver Reed film, and it's an interesting production design film. That if you're into this kind, of, if you can, if you can get past and and survive watching the the brutality of it, it's a it is a pretty effective effective movie. I think it's also I think that there's a lot of um, watering down of the terrible acts committed by the church on people. Yeah, and I think it's really important that. When you hear like, oh, there's sort of this weird sort of noble beauty in the people that have been tortured or burned at the stake. And it's like, it is not noble or beautiful. And I think when you see how it actually plays out that you have to actually watch that, which a lot of people did back in the day. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to see the hideous, horrible, sadistic bullshit it was, which it was. Yeah, and public executions. a lot executions of these people were innocent and they were just, you know, they were just in the way. So I think it's important to see the ugliness of it. Yeah, I mean the idea of somebody who doesn't agree with the with the power with the uh the entity that's currently in power being being humiliated and killed, you know, that used to happen a lot in the olden days. In the name of Christ. Yeah, or in the name of whatever political party or or whatever other religion or organization or whatever, it's you still know. happening. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting that it uh, it predated The Exorcist by a couple of years, so that was kind of like got yeah. people ready for the whole concept of people being possessed by. That's right. And religious devil. horror that was a thing, you know, in the seventies. I think it was a lot of religion horror stuff. You don't yeah. really, I don't know if you really see that too much anymore, because I think people are not maybe in the present day maybe not quite as religious as they used to be back then, or. You know, it, I remember when, when The Exorcist came out. It was it was another one of those movies that was that religious people either lo- liked it or hated it. There were actually some religious people who liked it because they thought, you know, yeah, well, possession is real. You know, this right. is a, mo- a movie about what it's like. This is what will happen to you if you bring a Ouija board into your house and if you don't follow <laughs> the law of the Lord. You know, and 
But then a lot of religious people saw it, and they just saw the profanity and the you know all those kind of things. A little girl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that movie, The Nun. It just came. I was going to say The Nun. That's very religious. I was going to say. I think there's a fair amount of that stuff still happening. Yeah, I think it's a very uh, possession. Whatever. Emily Rose. You know, whatever. There's. They still love that theme. Well, there's that, you know, the movie we talked about recently called Hereditary that has some sort of possession type stuff in it, yeah. but it's not like it, it's, it, it doesn't have like a lot of the religious trappings like, you know, crucifixes and crosses and priests no. and mm-hmm. churches and things like that. Like you used to see so much in the seventies where you'd see movies like the Omen and, and, uh, yeah, Aww, the, the various exorcist Aww, sequels and the classics. But we're going to talk about an... And speaking of possession. Yeah. A, yeah. Maybe a lesser known film. Is there a movie just with the name Possession? That would be a good name for a movie. Yeah. yeah. Somebody should use that. Somebody needs to do that. I oh, think, wait, they did. I think they there did that. is. Yeah, but Nin- it's a foreign film, I think. 1981 foreign film. Shot in Berlin. And that it's called really cool. Possession. East Berlin. East Berlin. Yeah. East Berlin. It's re- and I think the setting of the movie is amazing. That's a part of the appeal of this movie. It, the movie is called Possession. Stars uh, Sam Neill and Isabella Johnny. Yeah. And I was shocked, like, Sam Neill, I had, you know, like, that's the earliest I've ever seen him. Yeah. You know. Very He's like a man. kid in it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a, it's a strange movie. It might not be what you expect. Some people, you know, when you read about it, some people don't even know whether or not to call it a horror film. It's, it's one of those horror films, like we were just talking about The Exorcist, where, the Exorcist has so many things going on in it that aren't that don't involve the actual possession of the little girl. There's a lot of um, what was that? <laughs> She's something possessed. Something possessed. In Kathy's the room. possessed. Here comes Darwin. Go. Did I hear a cat? <laughs> no, I have the. Um, okay, I'm a nerd. I have the my favorite murder ringtone of Elvis. Uh... Do you want a cookie? Meow. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Elvis. Anyway, sorry, I'm turned off my phone. I don't know why that was on. I don't know why. Oh, I had the volume up but, so I could watch the trailer for um, Angst. Are we we'll, boring you, Kathy? We'll talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> but like the possession, I'm just sort of comparing it to The Exorcist in that there's a lot of other subtext going on in the film. In addition to the horror elements, you know, the, in, like in The Exorcist, you got all these things about the mom and the daughter's relationship before the act before the possession and you got the father the priest is losing his faith and and uh, all these different things that are happening in these these elements and in this movie possession it starts off with a with a husband and wife and the husband is a uh, sam sam neil right mhm it's not sam shepherd it's he's not a spy. Uh, he's a he, he's yeah he's like some sort of an international spy right. kind of thing so he's gone a lot but he comes home and his wife has asked for a divorce and he doesn't know why. He's like, why? And she's like, I don't know. So, like, the first part of the film is just, like, this big dramatic relationship movie. Yeah, exactly. And it's really traumatic. I mean, they have some really intense scenes of them arguing and just, and she's really strange about it. And, and they have like, a young son. Yeah, yeah they have a little really boy. Sad. Yeah, so it's it very stressful. <laughs> but she's being so strange about it. She's, like, not explaining. She's not saying why. And he, there's a couple of scenes where he's like, well, why? Is there another man? And she's like, no. And then he'll say, well, what is it? What have I done? Have I done something? And she just turns and walks away. And it's frustrating. It's one of those things where you get this feeling of like, what can I do? He's like, what can I do? Can I do something? What did I, what can I do to make you feel better? And she's like, I don't know. And it's, it's really one of those that creates a lot of tension just with this relationship. And she wants full custody of their child, Bob. Which I just thought was funny. The kid's name was Bob. <laughs> yes. Bob, Bob. So, and then he he wants to he wants to see Bob. So, just he kind of shows up at the apartment one day, and he he goes in the apartment, and Bob is there all by himself. After like he's, he's moved out, though. after he's moved out, um, Bob's been there. It looks like he's been there for days, and it, it's like he's totally unkempt. He looks like he hasn't eaten. Like it's just awful. Like where is your mother? <laughs> yeah. Where? And so now he's like, "Where have you been?" She kind of comes in very nonchalantly, like, "What? Everything's fine." Right. Yeah. And it looks awful. It's terrible. She's obviously something is really strange going on with her. But doesn't uh, Mark get a phone, Mark is uh, Sam Neill's character's name get a phone call from Heinrich? Oh believe, yes, so Heinrich, she is who, having an affair th- this, from uh, her lover. Yes, who is an lover. interesting character. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, what the hell that guy? That was such. It's a like dressed like the man from Glad. He's like all right. white. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he like an artist or something? He was. 
I could I couldn't figure out that whole. They made him so quirky. Yeah, yeah. He's just quirky. Uh, it was very strange. Heinrich, yes. but it's a it, it it goes through all these relationship type things, and 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 you're basically with Sam Neill. You're basically with him in the film, trying to put these pieces together, trying to figure out what is going on with this with my wife, and why can't I understand what's happening? And as it progresses. He um, he actually hires a, P- a private investigator mm-hmm. to follow her, and follows her to this sort of abandoned, you know, some you know, like just really down on its luck apartment building, kind of like right by the right next abandoned. to the wall, right, right next to the wall. Yeah, you can see the wall. That was yeah, really cool. it was it, wild. It's East Berlin. If you ever been there, it kind of looks yeah. like that. That's, yeah, yeah. It's definitely everybody. That's there. a nice apartment in East Berlin. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then you go in the apartment. Um, and you see something very strange in one of the rooms. <laughs> some weird creature on the It's bed. a monster. Monster. It's a it's a monster. It's a really slimy, weird thing, but it's almost it's almost not presented in the way that you normally would see a monster in a movie. It's sort of just it's there. It just suddenly kind of laying there on the bed. Yeah, yeah. It's not. But it looked like it was just born. Like it was all right. slimy and covered with blood yeah, lots and of stuff. Goof. Yeah. And it's somewhat human form, but yeah. not yeah. really. And uh, done by Carlo Rambaldi, by yep. the way. So another oh, one okay. of his creations. A legend. <laughs> White buffalo guy. So she, by the way. she right. She finds him in the apartment and kills him with a broken bottle. Boom! Investigator gone. Bye. The, the, the private investigator. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, there's uh, Bob's teacher at school. Is looks exactly is, is her dead is, ringer is her you know doppelganger with green eyes green yeah. eyes right. with blonde hair very or something strange. yeah i was like this that that thing, this movie is so odd it's very odd you know it's got surrealism to it sort of like a bunuel film you know mm-hmm. like these things that i don't know if they're meant to mean something or if they're just meant to be disorienting like is the fact that she looks just like his wife is that meaningful or is it just supposed to put you on edge in the film well there's a lot of things like that like you see yeah. that electric knife which you, yeah. everybody had in the 70s right you're cutting up the london Your broil and you go i know they're going to do something with that knife right you know? <laughs> if you take out a turkey knife you got to use it <laughs> that's an electric knife fight right and they both like she cuts herself and then he cuts his, himself it was very. It was strange. like, what is this? <laughs> it's a very odd film. It will defy all your expectations. There's I mean, all kinds of things going on different levels. But I hadn't watched this movie in yeah. about five or six years. I stole a hefty chunk of it for a documentary that I was making that'll never come out. But anyway, um, <laughs> that should come. I out. think the word possession is more like her being possessed. That he's her property because he does slap yeah. the piss out of her. Yeah, yeah. like, that like it's a normal yes. thing to do. Like you're yeah. acting weird, so I get to beat you up right. and stuff. Yeah. He hits her. So yeah. it's almost like. He wants her followed and everything because his property is like turned on him. Yeah, that's a really good point. Actually. Yeah, that's a, that is a definite meaning of that title too. But there's a there's a notorious scene in this film that a lot of people talk about, and you can actually see this very scene on YouTube if you look it up. But it's 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 a scene that's sort of um, famous in uh, certain circles, people that like films that are really outrageous and weird. <laughs> this movie's got kind of a cult following. But there's a scene where Isabella uh, uh, Johnny is walking through the subway. I think she's just underground and she's by herself walking through the subway. Totally empty subway. It's yeah. just like strange. Yeah. In the middle and, of the night, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, it was in the middle of the was night. It? Okay. I don't know if it was. It, it seems like, like it. it. There's something. It, there's no other people, and it just seems like one of those times in the middle of the night when you're in the subway by yourself and everything seems weird. But she does this. I don't even know how to to describe what she does in this scene. Yeah, like nervous breakdown, like complete, like it's a freak she out. She starts, yeah, she starts like writhing and falling and against screaming. the walls and screaming and freaking out. And it's just the camera doesn't leave her long scene. It's an amazing job it, of acting. It's yeah, very, it's like whoa, how she yeah. stayed in that. Yeah, it's absolutely completely a thousand percent overblown and overdone in. Like we we were talking about other scenes in movies where you think it's it's gotten as bad as it's going to get, but then it gets you know twenty percent more weird, and then fifty percent, and then a thousand percent more weird. It's like it yeah. just goes on and on and on. And well, she has a breakdown, and then she she finally the, it culminates in the end, like this horrible visceral kind of miscarriage right where she kind of squats down, and all this stuff starts coming yeah, out, right. oozing all kinds of and stuff. it was not it was something like beyond she's a like, miscarriage. Blood's coming out of her neck. I mean, yeah. it's like yeah, all everywhere. kinds of DNA is just it, coming off wow. of her. 
And you also get the impression with that scene, or I did anyway, that they probably just stole that location. I I have a feeling it was just her and the filmmaker holding the camera. Yeah, it had that feel too. Just the two of them down there in the subway and maybe another person, you know. But it wasn't, I I don't get the impression that there was a whole film crew in on that thing, especially for her sake, having to do a scene like that. And it seems like it was probably shot at three o'clock in the morning yeah. after a few drinks, maybe or whatever. And it was one take. So in one take, I, yeah. I, I think there might have been Close one. It. it might have been one edit. Yeah, but maybe two um, and she has like groceries and she's throwing them. Yeah. the milk. Yeah. Is, it was just right. milk all over yeah, the place. She starts by just beating the walls with milk jugs and <laughs> just goes from there. And I like her her line to him when she's recounting this story to her husband. Um, she says she miscarried Sister Faith, and what was left was Sister Chance. Yeah. So I'm like, mm. What is that? Mm. Is it worth our time to try to interpret it, or is it just no. to disorient us? <laughs> I think it's just there to distract us <laughs> from what ultimately is another famous scene from the film. Yeah. Well, there's a lot. Just it was shot very interestingly, like that first scene where he's being interviewed in that huge room by those four or five guys. Yeah. And the camera just does like a three, two, three sixties. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's just like, okay, this movie is. And they're talking about the subject. It's a little showy, but that's okay. It's a little De Palma esque, but that's okay. Yeah, that's true. It was. And the last line in that was one of the guys. Does the subject still wear pink socks or something (laughs) like that? Right. Yeah, at the end of the movie, there's a guy with pink socks yeah. running up the stairs, you know. See, it so. mattered. Yeah. <laughs> there was a guy with pink socks. It wasn't like the coyote in the beginning of <laughs> yeah. Another, yeah. Yeah. another movie. <laughs> but they don't really try to have her exercise. They don't call, you know, it doesn't have all the memes of a... And they don't, don't even like really talk about religion or demons No, it or doesn't have anything at all. I mean, there's a really cool demon scene, which I won't spoil yet, but... Uh, yeah. It's a small movie with just a small amount of yeah. characters, you know. Yeah. And it's she, a, said, she said it took her years to get over making it. She said it really? traumatized her. Oh. Yeah. Well, it was probably a lot of work, you know, and yeah. you think about the, the idea of her character in that. It's emotional. I mean, she's she is never normal in that film. She's on the edge emotionally right. throughout the whole film. And actors, that's exhausting. I've seen actors who, who are doing, you know, I've been on set where actors have to play somebody who's in an emotionally exaggerated state. And it's it's not like actors can just walk on the stage and flip a switch and suddenly be possessed of this intensity. They have to sort of put themselves there. Like I've been on set with actors who will punch themselves in the face and run in place and punch the walls and and slap their own face over and over and over and and try to work themselves up. And I imagine she did that throughout yeah. this whole film because she does look she looks. You know, haunted. She and, is definitely hysterical. Like yeah. She's crying or being hit or something. Add to the fact that she has to play this other character that's much more calmer and right. more, like, normal, yeah, more yeah. relaxed. So she's just, you know, she's playing two characters, too. Yeah. You know, so that's a, so she deserved. I think she won Best um, Actress at the Cannes Film Festival or something like Best that. Best Possessed Person. <laughs> yeah. And this was another film where they cut probably like a half an hour. It's only right. been restored the last five years where they actually... Mm. Because I'll tell you, the other one was a stinker. I really didn't like the movie at all until I saw the long one. I was like, oh, now. It's not like it makes perfect sense, but it's such a better film when they added the controversial stuff back in. They they cut 20 minutes. Like, that's amazing. That's a lot. That's That's a lot. lot. They're trying to protect us. Yes, right. right. (laughs) Thank you, whoever. (laughs) So then they have the other great scene, which I'm talking about. Heinrich goes to Anna's apartment to see her. He sees the creature. And then he's going, what? Then he goes in the kitchen and finds a refrigerator full of body parts. Right. So he's kind of like, what? So he, he calls Mark to come over. Because right. Mark's at a bar down the street, I guess. So I guess they're friends now. And Mark is Sam Neill, right? Yes. Yeah, the husband. So, they, so Mark comes in. Heinrich, this actor does the weirdest performance. Like, yeah. I could not figure. He's like kind of <laughs> dancing and bouncing off the walls and talking about traumatizing. He's this weird writhing around. Like, is everyone getting possessed? <laughs> what yeah. is happening? It was really weird. So he's trying to convince Mark that there's stuff going on, but he was just being really weird about it. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would listen to him if he was acting that way. <laughs> well, both of the movies we're talking about are surreal. You know, they're kind yeah. of, they, they have that edge of that kind of, not kind of, but like very surreal edge to them. And Possession is, it's interesting that production design in it is, like we were talking about with the first one, was was very designed, The Devils. And this one is not very designed. It just takes place in what looks like found locations. 
But the locations are really interesting because, you know, the Berlin Wall is still there. It plays a really sort of a imposing part of the film. It's not really a part of the story, but it's there. And you see the guards. The yeah. guards are sort of like, you know, hanging out, smoking cigarettes, and they're very close to the apartment. So. Yeah. So I, I loved that part. To yeah. me, that this was whole great. Ominous background. Yeah, it yeah. feels like repression. Right. You know, yeah. it just feels bad. It's dark and gray yeah. and ugly. It's a, it's a, it's not a very beautiful movie. It's it's set, the locations are pretty ugly, and common sort of street corners and in, interiors of dull apartments and things like that. And but, desolate. Like the, it's like the Omega Man. It's like post apocalyptic. Right. You know, it has that yeah. vibe, which I always find you know really, that's that's something I love in films. You know. Yeah. So. It works for me, but yeah, it's, you know what a yeah a historic location that that was used really really well for a good a, oppressive kind of ugly effect. You know the wall, it looks like the wall just sort of cuts right through the city, which it did. You know, it's mm-hmm. like right looks like a, a road went right into it, and they built the wall right across the road. And there's this apartment building sitting right up against it, and all this barbed wire and armed guards and all that, and you, you know people live there. So then we we end up with those scenes where I'm like, how would we act in this situation where Mark goes to the apartment and finds the body parts, parts also, but there's no creature and no Anna, but he finds the body parts. He decides to cover it up and he burns down the apartment. Like, I feel like, I don't know if I'd want to cover this up because she's, well, his character. Only, the only thing you can think of is that she's killing people and dismembering them. So mm-hmm. why would you want to protect her? Right. But he's kind of nuts throughout the whole movie. Yeah, he is. I mean, is an interest is also an interesting performance. It's just yeah. sort of way out there. Like, but we're he not even really sure that he's a spy. Like, we don't even know what he does. That's true. Because he's just assuming. obsessing on her all the time. Yeah. I don't, so you're like, what is what is yeah. his a, role? He's yeah. a he is kind of a spy though. I think because oh, he, he does talk to those those guys that he works for, and they are talking about the subject. I mean, the implication seems to be that he works for the government and was a, had an assignment to. You know, surveil but is it one of those? Someone. Was he one of those East Berlin where you just spy on other people and you just report back what they're doing, like the lives of others, like something like that? Like not a cool James Bond spy, but like just narking on people. Oh, maybe, yeah. So they don't really go too into yeah. Many they don't detail, give you a lot as far of as I remember anyway, because he has a lot of time to follow her around and be weird. But in the end, yeah. don't those those <laughs> He's guys? He's a spy, you know. He can He's spy on her. <laughs> Those guys come back at the climax, and yeah. they're in it. So yeah, I always true. thought that yeah. there was some connection between them, and they knew something about this this creature or monster. Right. I thought there that was I. That's what I sensed, but not sure if that's really what happened. But I don't think it's yeah. made overt. You know, it's no, not yeah. super clear. But yeah, they do come back, and they're they're there for a reason, I guess. And, and the guys there with the pink socks. I'm going well, right. That means something, but you know. And then roll, there's roll a scene where that's sort of not clear. Is like who is it that gets into the car and drives away and it just seems like there was kind of a mystery at the end well we aren't at the end yet we got lots of good stuff happening there's a lot of cool stuff happening oh there's well, one where the guy's following her around and it almost looked i mean i'm sure it was staged because obviously very expensive but a truck like kind of careens out of control while she's running away from this guy yeah and like smashed cars fall off the truck perfectly timed yeah and perfectly filmed Mm-hmm. But it was just adds to the weirdness of yeah. like, what is that doing? In <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Well, because then Mark goes back to Anna's, um, I guess their regular apartment, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a body outside, like one of Anna's friends. I'm not quite, I never quite understood who, what the significance was. But so Mark drags this body, and like there's this body right. everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then Anna fi- greets him, and of course, you know what's hotter than that? So they end up having sex in the kitchen. Right? Yay, yeah, I remember that. A, they're now joined <laughs> forever. Thanks for dragging a dead body in. Honey. Yeah, murder brought us back together. And um, so that was kind of stress. So that sort of almost shows like he's spiraling out of control, also yeah. because he's just getting caught up in her mania at this point. And it also is kind of uh, you know in in addition or instead of that, it's just something very surreal that happens, unexpected, like. You you start getting the impression is this filmmaker telling a story here, or is he presenting me with things that are supposed to be a conundrum forever? You know. Yeah. So there's well, I guess. Um, uh, so I think the person getting in the car was Anna. Like Mark is kind of ushering her away at this point, trying to save her because I think um, the cops are kind of starting to close in. Okay. Um, so he stages a distraction so she can get away. Right. Um, but. Uh, then so now the police are after them. I'm not quite see how did we get to the 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 <laughs> scene 
Um, <laughs> the uh, let's see. Um, so. <laughs> Oh, you know, oh, we're Mar- all like, uh, no, what? because I'm trying we're all to shell shock Mar- this film. Mar- oh, Sorry, yeah. it's just like we're all like, what? <laughs> it was Mar- that was that, that other woman who was sort of friends with Mark and sort of helped take care of the son. Yeah, right. She's the one that was who murdered. Was, who was murdered okay. and found outside, right? And yeah, yeah so I never understood Margie. What, Margie, right? I never understood. I thought she had a. I thought she was interested in Mark and was kind of. You know, wanted to sort of you know get in on that. Oh, that right. makes sense because Margie's apartment, where the big confrontation happens at the end. Right. So they go to Margie's apartment. Right. I guess where Anna's hiding out. Right. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes sense. Does it? I think we're Does making it? sense. Why do we keep covering movies we can't explain? I know. <laughs> next time we're doing, uh, you know, Pooh Bear. Or we're something. Yeah. We're doing <laughs> Hatchet next. That's, that's it. <laughs> Well, and the whole, I think the point of the movie, it is sort of all over the place, and that makes it interesting, you know. Yeah, and, true. And, and so no, I you, found it fascinating. Yeah, you Most, won't be watching the film and going, I know exactly what's happening I, right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think exactly. the reason it's hard to discuss with a bunch of people is the fact that everybody has sort of a slightly different interpretation of what it is, you know. Right. And it, it, some films, I think filmmakers make them as a painting, as sort of a moving painting, and they're not really... In some ways, they're not really concerned about the normal narrative restrictions that you would normally have in a film. Like, we have to make sure that this character's motivation stays the same or whatever. They they paint with the with the actors and they paint with the situations in a way that doesn't really relate to reality. But it puts a feeling. It makes you have a feeling. But how dare they do that? Yeah. We can't right. talk about it. You know, they come around. And all, sp- all films are supposed to be linear and supposed to know exactly what's happening. Because how, how many people tell me, they go, didn't have any plot, you know, whatever it is. Or it didn't make sense. Up. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Well, it's like, look at David Lynch films. You know, they don't always make perfect sense. They it don't always. Matter. But you're watching it you're, and you enjoy it because what you're what you're experiencing is something other than what you normally see in a movie. You know, you see... Right narratives that make sense and motivations you kind of think ahead and you think oh, okay well she's the bad person she's right. going to do this and he's the he's the one that's the killer you know and it's all these things that you that are sort of common in films and you have a language that you understand and you watch the film and it stays within those parameters but then somebody like david lynch or you know ken russell or the the creators of possession they take a different approach to using film as a medium to tell not necessarily to tell story but to show you something right feel something to experience something and you, you well, like when then you... we have the speaking of weird feelings <laughs> then have the scene where mark finds anna with her new lover who is this big weird creature having sex with her right like big weird tentacly so yeah. <laughs> it's one of those scenes I like, you're like, think it's a devil what? myself that's what i <laughs> well it ends up that thing looks just like him like it's yeah. his doppelganger, that, right? right? So right. he kind of it kind of evolved into him. Is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it so, turns it forms forms itself into into him. So then, so he's watching her having sex with a really weird version of himself. Really weird version. And the police Unformed. come in and shoot everyone. The doppelganger gets away, so everyone dies. And then here is the doppelganger alone with Bob. Now he's the new dad, right? right. And then the green eyed double woman, who's they're now the new parents, who could be also another doppelganger. Doppelganger. Yes. That's what makes you think. I That's, think at the end, you're like basically these were grown or something. Yeah, like they were yeah. kind of like a pod people. Yes. You know. But it's like they took the the the, uh, the flawed humans and mm-hmm. replaced. They've been replaced. They're probably going to be better parents. Probably, I think. yeah. You know, they, <laughs> they couldn't be worse parents. That's <laughs> true. So but they're Bob, very flat. They're very like pod people, yeah. you know, like they mm-hmm. live people or whatever. Right. Who knows so what Bob they're going to do or take over the world or whatever. Maybe Bob is, Bob is also a pod person. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. She didn't seem that concerned with him. Like he could take care of himself. I don't know. Yeah. He was eating peanut butter and Nutella sandwiches or something. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably fine. I just had the sense of the film was the, the, squal- the, the squalor and the sadness of that place yeah. Yeah. and the unhappiness of those people. Berlin, East Berlin. was just the, the feeling of the movie. And for some reason, I was, very, you know, I was drawn to it because yeah. I'm an unhappy person. No, <laughs> yeah. I wish they'd yeah. put the wall back. I love yeah. movies about unhappiness. It's yeah. unhappy. But yeah, I think it is almost more like almost impressionistic. Like you, you have all these things happening to all these unhappy people and you feel like it, it's almost an allegory again, you know, sort of like other movies where it's not necessarily literally pod people and monsters. I feel like it's almost more a manifestation of this misery of this East mm-hmm. German... Right. Yeah. You know, man, you know, repression. Yeah, there's any number of levels, but it's not yeah. it's not a religious 
possession. No, like it's not. The typical thing that you would think it would be. That's probably it, why people were kind of like, huh? <laughs> I think it was probably made by, I'm guessing, probably made by somebody who's probably lived there and knows that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I want to experience what I've experienced. I'm going to put that on film. The story is almost second. Yeah. You know, it's like second place. Yeah. So that was just the sense I got. And you almost but can't overstate the importance of that location. Right. Because yep. it was such a huge part of the story. I mean, the, you go in that apartment, though, and you go, yeah. this is just, ugh. It seems, when I think back on this film, the look of it, everything just seemed overcast and gray and dark. And yeah. the way the shots were composed, I think they were a little bit skewed in some ways, like a little bit, you know... A lot of filmmakers use that technique where you, um, it's not necessarily a, as obvious as like a Dutch angle, but where you frame things in a way that puts them just a little bit wrong to where you're, you're like, somebody's just a little bit too far to the left, or there's a, there's something breaking something in the foreground that's hiding a part of a person's face or something. It puts you, it puts you ill at ease a little bit when you're watching these stories. And this film really had that feel for me where you where it wasn't beautifully shot. It wasn't beautifully composed. It was composed in a way that sort of put you on the edge and without so really realizing, without really realizing why you're feeling this way. Mm-hmm. You think like people listening to this podcast are a little on edge after hearing us try to explain yeah, it? There's a sweet motorcycle in it, though. <laughs> yeah. Sweet motorcycle. Heinrich's motorcycle is really good. Yeah. And Heinrich and Heinrich and his death and everything. <laughs> Heinrich was great. Yeah. I was like, where has this actor been I, all my whole life? Yeah, yeah so I know. Like, I, he did not fit in this movie at all. I think strange. I looked him up, too. I'm like, what? Where is, is this guy? He was, other... he was in some other movie. It was yeah. like, he it... was like comedy relief almost. He was so like cliche and yeah. weird. Like weird artist. Like weird German artist. Get in your head what that looks like. And that's pretty much what he was. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely one of those actors that you that you pause the film and look him up on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably his real name is Heinrich. Because yeah. he couldn't probably. quite get it. You Heinrich is played by Heinrich. You can't another name than that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there. I think, I think we did our best. On making this movie make sense. Well, do we recommend these two movies, The Devils and Possession? 100%. The long version. Yeah, Yeah. see if you can find the uncut versions of both of these films. And, you know, they're not easy. Neither one of them is really easy to to watch. But if you you can handle it, if you're into these kind of things, these are are trips. Can you handle it? We don't don't review easy movies, people. Yeah. Can you tell? Well, it says in the, in the introduction that that we review unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, always interesting, always interesting. This is, this, these were interesting and unappealing. And, <laughs> and unappealing. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're films I still think about. I mean, I saw Possession years ago, and The Devils years ago. I, I remember the first time I saw The Devils. I think was on HBO when I was in junior high. Wow, and. You know, on the TV in my room when I was a kid, and it was like I think I had already seen Tommy, Ken Russell's oh, Tommy. Yeah. So I was, and I loved it. You know, I remember really because I'd already liked the the Who and all that, and the okay. movie Darwin's crawling into was like the first music video. Really, you know, it was like it was a big music video, and it was so bizarre and strange. So when I saw The Devils was directed by this same guy that did Tommy, I watched it, and it was like wait a minute <laughs> i'm too young for this yeah, it's like what but you know i like I what happened to pinball wizard <laughs> yeah <laughs> you used to be such a fun filmmaker what happened and i used to make such fun movies like the devils and now you're making tommy <laughs> right <laughs> but i always think it's worth supporting movies that are really unique and special and, and even if they're not actually easy movies you know it may not be like you know you know fun slasher movie or something but it's it's definitely you know unique and you'll see something you haven't seen before and i think that's always worthwhile when you're talking about this kind of genre yeah um, yeah, you should always support filmmakers that are doing something challenging, exactly. you know, because they want it's so hard to get funding. Even people we love, David Lynch, John Carpenter, they can't make movies anymore. Right. Nobody, nobody yeah. give John Waters a dollar to make a film. They're right. like, yeah. it's got to be a blockbuster or else we don't want it. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I hear. I, this is one thing I've said before on the podcast is I hear so many people saying, I wish these people who make movies, I wish the Hollywood would make movies that aren't the same thing. Oh, the cookie cutter, yeah. blah, blah. And then, sadly, when somebody does go outside of the cookie cutter, like um, with, you know, with hereditary Mother. Hereditary or Mother. Yeah, or Hereditary, people reject it. They're I like, I it. didn't like it because it wasn't like the other ones. Yeah. It, it wasn't was, easy, like stuff I'm used to seeing all the time. Like, like I wanted this instead yeah. of that. Come and, on, people, challenge yourselves. But luckily, there are some distributors out there, you know, yeah. like A24, that Long are willing house. to produce those movies. Uh, you know, and so they're there. Whether yeah. those people want to see them or not. 
Hey, whatever. Yeah. You know. Well, the more you go see them, you know, if you, if people are complaining about the cookie cutter, you know, superhero movies and stuff, they um, just need to go see these movies and support them. That's all right. So yeah. Darwin, Darwin's coming over. He's like, that's enough, you guys. Enough. Yeah. You guys have blabbed enough. Can I watch enough. a movie about a dog? Tails hitting the table. <laughs> He's jumping on us. He's Let's like, not watch Old me. Yeller. I hate that movie. We Maybe he just needs to go that. outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's potty time. <laughs> it's potty time. All right, so we have to let Darwin out, so we'll yep. have to go. Okay. Well, we'll leave, we'll leave everybody with recommendations yep. for a couple of really kind of harsh movies, but um, <laughs> movies that we like. We but, just like them. And they're great when the holidays are coming up. Thanks for having me. Watch them for Christmas. (laughs) Very, very true. Show them to the family. Yeah. (laughs) Invite everybody. You don't like. Like in laws, make sure they watch it with you. (laughs) I like my in laws, by the way. (laughs) I do too. No comment. (laughs) Me too. All right. Bye, guys. All right, friends. Visit us on social medias. Social media. Goodbye, friendos. And the internets and whatnot. Twitter, We're all over the place. Facebook, you know, Twitter, all those Facebook, AOL. Cinemanopodcast.com. Yeah. All right. Yeah. GeoCities and stuff. All right. Radio Public. Mic drop. Stitcher. All those. Okay. <laughs> See Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Cinemando signing out. Bye.